there my name is kev welcome along to the very first episode of a podcast which we are calling stranded at third we had to come up with a baseball name for this and that was the best we could come up with i'm afraid i'm happy to say i'm joined tonight by the overgrown man child rob ratty ratry sorry oh, yeah just that or sir just call me what you like <laughs> mate you know you're lucky either way I'm so used to seeing you on Twitter. That's why Rob Ratty came out because I'm always tagging you. In the, I'm always tagging you in the podcast when I'm when I'm uploading it. As we go into the winter months and there's not much going on, we kind of come up with this idea, which is completely our own idea, so unique, so different, unheard of. I honestly, did not rip this off of other podcasts such as Desert Island Discs. But we thought this might be a kind of fun way to mix a bit of music, baseball chat, give the listeners a chance to get to know us. And also give us a chance to get to hopefully know the listeners because once we've worked our way through our team, the hope is that we can get other other Yankees fans on. Um, we might explore some of the guys' well-known faces on Twitter and stuff like that, the people who are part of our Facebook group and all that and see if anybody's willing to come on. So the whole concept of this, for folk that don't know what Desert Island Discs is, it's a BBC show. I think it's a Radio 4, Rob. I think it is Radio yep. 4, isn't yep. it? It started in Radio I'm, 4. I'm too, I'm too young. I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that, mate. I've seen your choice of music here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's basically, we've kind of shortened it down a little bit and made it more baseball specific, but generally celebrities are on there. They talk about their life. There's a, a set of six questions, and basically the six questions are are set for every every guest, sorry, and the, I think it may actually be seven on this around us. Anyway, we've got six. And the idea is to talk about your life, talk about stuff, um, but we've made it a bit more baseball specific and also pick songs that are important to you or mean a lot to you. So we've got six songs involved in this. I've accidentally closed down the, the magic. Every one of them is brilliant, guys. Stick with us. Yeah, every one of them is <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, it's... It's personal, it's what, what matters to you, not what matters to anyone else. Um, my sort of music collection and taste of music is eclectic. I always say to people, I can't help what my ears like, and that's what it comes down to. So we've got six questions. We're going to work our way through them. Rob's obviously seen the questions in advance, and he's also shared the songs with me. For legal reasons, we can only play 30 seconds of the song, but I think 30 seconds is enough to give you a flavour for the song, and if you like it, Go hit it up on Deezer or Spotify or whatever whatever streaming service you use. So, here we go, Rob. First question. Tell me what life was like growing up for Rob Rattray. So, I grew up, although I live in uh, just outside Leeds now, I, I was born in Kent. And I was actually born in the house that my parents lived in until I, I moved off to university. I grew up in a place called the Medway Towns. Uh, and uh, the, well, my nearest town was called Strood, but I lived in a place called Frinsbury. And it's a very um, North Kent kind of environment. You'll hear I've got this estuary English in my accent, you know, when I say, you know, a lot you know. and things like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I struggle with my THs and my Fs and all these kind of things. But actually, I grew up in a family of four. Really, you know, ni nice setup, you know, fantastic. It's a very, I have to say, I, I grew up in a very right wing Tory environment. Okay. And that, that, that doesn't. Uh, doesn't suit my particular style of politics. So, the, you know, the one thing we always managed to, to fall out about was that. Yeah, that, that, I that I did. Sorry, that genuinely surprised me because I just assumed, given some of the political talk we've had over the years, that that would be the opposite. But yeah, sorry to break you. Yeah, no, no, I'm no, I'm uh, very, very different to my family in that respect. That I am uh, uh, very, very politically. I wouldn't say I wouldn't call myself a socialist. Actually, I'm, I'm more of a centre left. But my yeah. Uh, my, my parents are, um, I, I don't think it would be remiss of me to say that uh, they would have voted for Brexit and those are all things that I uh, hate the idea of, I'll be quite honest with you, you know, and, and pretty much we are, we are poles apart in that. But it, it meant because one of the things uh, many of you guys, you, so I met some of you in London, those who are listening, I, I'm very, very big. I'm very, <laughs> very tall. I'm, I'm, I'm just over 6'4". 
uh, and my my mum's like five one, and my dad's five ten, <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> wow. yes, and our and our and our, and our postman was seven foot two, yeah. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and so I've always kind of been different to everybody anyway. So I think yeah. that's why you know, bringing back to baseball, it's so easy for me to be a baseball fan because I've always stood out. Yeah. I've got a booming voice, as you can tell. Uh, yeah. So I can't walk into a room and you can't hear me. It's not that you can't hear me coming. Uh, <laughs> if I've got an opinion on stuff, uh, it's going to come through. So that And that kind of, I struggled with that a lot when I was a kid because you've got a surname like Rattray, which is, you know, a, a bit of a shit to carry with you at times, you know, <laughs> until you become six foot four and a lot bigger than everybody else. Yeah, and then that, that problem seems to go away somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and it, it's just always been, it's just always been one of those things for me that that's why I love doing stuff like this. And, and we, you know, we, we guys, and I love the work that I do, you know, the job I do. Uh, I run my own business and I represent universities and I go into schools and I do assemblies. And that all comes from me growing up, just being able to be different to people and be willing to be silly, but be serious. Um, and that's why I love what we do on the pod, mate, because yeah. uh, you get a lot of pods out there that take it very, very seriously. And I think it's fair to say that's never going to be our way, really. No, I, I think um, I think it's one of the things that came across when I, I, the first time I ever met you was obviously when I travelled down to, was it King's Cross I met you? No, it wasn't King's Cross. Mm-hmm. It was other... Yeah, it was, yeah. It was King's Cross, was it? We, yeah. we travelled down to, to for the London series. And I think when I did hear you were six foot four, I did mention we would be like twins. You're clearly <laughs> yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger right. and I'm Danny DeVito. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, it's, it, it was one of the things I took to you straight away is like, this guy's easy to go on with. You know what I mean? We have fun. We like a laugh. We can be serious and we need to be serious, but we just have a laugh. And that's what I like about your personality. It's just like, it, I, I don't know. It just felt like I'd know after... 10 minutes it felt like I'd known you for years even though we'd only spoke over podcasts and I think everything changed yeah. that that weekend for us in the podcast as well because we all kind of well me and you went and get pissed together which always helps but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's um it, it's yeah. just yeah your personality came out and it was it, that was why I was a wee bit surprised there when you said about the conservative background because I'd never sort of would have expected that I just I don't know why but obviously yeah well, I, I'm always quite honest when I do my talks and stuff like that, that I, I grew up as uh, an Islamophobe, uh, dare I say racist, a homophobe, you know, the, yeah. these are things, nature versus nurture. And that's why I, I'm a great believer in, in go, going to university or just finding your own path, you know. I'll be honest with you, mate. Yeah, I was—I I could be a real shit when I was a kid, but a lot of it was this pent-up frustration of being so big. So, I think either yeah. way, I was always going to be at odds to what my family <laughs> was going to yeah. do anyway. You know, I, I, same I, with any sport, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think we're around about the same age, and I think there's, it's one of the things we need to look back on is, and this is not excusing the fact that we were ignorant back then, but it was a different time. It was a different time, and you look back at, with hindsight now. And you just cringe at some of the stuff that he used to say. And I mean, homophobia at high school, it was just a norm. In our day, it was a normal thing that you would talk in that way and not see anything bad about it. And now you look back and, you know, some of the guys I went to school with, who I was particularly friendly with, you know, at the time you probably knew it, but didn't think about it, but they are gay. And you think back and think of some of the stuff he said, oh my God, you know, you wish you could go back and change yeah, yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, there's no excuse in it, but I think it was just a different time and that's not taken away from, you know, we shouldn't have done it. I, I think we all realise now, or not all of us, but most of us realise now that that was a bad thing, but yeah. But I think I think that's part of the process, isn't it? Because I think if I look back now, I can easily dislike that person that said those things. And, that, and I yeah. think that's a motivating tool for me. And as a parent of two kids myself now, you know, I was, I've got a sister. Uh, I've got two kids and that that's just the way we go things we learn and 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 it was certainly something that that put me at odds with my family and and we're pretty much at odds on on, on an awful lot of things yeah. uh, but that's something that um w- will always define me that mm. I look back at that person that was there and go really don't like that 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 person was actually very angry was quite miserable and I'd like to think I'm the polar opposite now and that that was actually a choice I mean, yeah. and, and, you know, I met my wife and I had my kids and things change. Uh, but I focus, you know, when you look at, we talk a lot about politics. I'm, you know, watch the American election an awful lot. 
everyone's just so happy to be shits to everyone at the moment. Yeah. And, and hopefully anyone who listens to any of the work we've done up to now will realise that's kind of not our nature. No. That's not what, that's no, but we, 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 we rip each other an awful lot, but we're not shits to each other. Yeah, I think it's... Um, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> poor Blakey. But yeah, I think it's um, it's the nature of the type of people we all are that, you know, we like a laugh and we like to dig each other up, but it's all in good nature and there's there's never... You know, I, I think I mentioned it before that one of my mates on Twitter sent me some private messages saying, who's this arsehole? When it was messages that Chris had sent, but it was totally tongue-in-cheek, but my mate had took it serious because it looked serious. And it was like, I was like, sorry, it's one of my mates in the podcast. He's just having a laugh. And uh, Kev was ready for digging him up. He was ready to have a go at him back. And I was like, ah, it's a, it's, honestly, it's, it's a joke. And he was like, it doesn't look like a joke. I'm like, seriously, he's all, it's, just, it's just the way we are with each other. There's no malice in it. We're just, we just like to wind each other up. But I think that's what makes it work. I think that's probably why this has came together so well and been so enjoyable is that we all do have that kind of same nature where we can all have a bit of a laugh, but don't, don't get offended by it. Basically it's uh, it's just a bit of fun. Mm. But yeah. So I, I, I think it's really, I think it's really easy to be offended by an awful lot of stuff. No matter how much I try, you guys have obviously got very thick skin. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, we, 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 we can push it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you make um, a good point. Yeah, no, I'm uh, Sorry, you make a good point about the whole politics thing at the moment. I think both here and over over in America, there's just been such polarising politics going on at the moment, and it's it's not a good situation. And hopefully they can start to heal some wounds over there, but I think it'll take a long time. And I think we've got the same problem going on here. I think Brexit and the Scottish referendum have been so, such divisive politics that you've now got people whose just lives are dominated by it. And like, it doesn't matter where a conversation goes, someone will still drag it back to a referendum, be it Brexit referendum or be it the, it's so tiresome. It really is. But anyway, I mean, I think, is it politics that you are a lecturer in? Is it, is that correct? Well, well, my degrees in politics, and I do, yeah, a lot, a lot on American politics and stuff like that. I thought that, uh, yeah. This is one of the irony about baseball, course, because baseball was a very right-wing ownership money-based kind of and yet unionized kind of sport so the politics yeah. of baseball um is something that i find and it's just something i've always i've, I've always you know i i can't claim to be a you know phd genius at it but it, I, i've certainly got opinions and i know enough about it let's put it that way yeah the, the history of the game is something i think it's something that a lot of us find it difficult to reconcile with especially you know around the whole sort of segregation side of it and stuff but um i kind of I've got a really good program i like to watch i know that isn't why we're on here to talk about but um america in color which is on smithsonian channel quite a lot and it's it's basically looking back at the history of america so much of it when you're watching it is all around about the segregation thing and uh, it's just I mean, it's a great program. It's fascinating to watch and it's great to learn about that stuff. But it just like a part of you, you're just like, ah, oh, it's just, it's not nice. But, and baseball has that history to it. Anyway, let's move it along to your first song, your first song, which I've got to admit. Yeah, this is a beauty. I've never seen this one coming. This is not what I was expecting <laughs> to be your first song. So um, I don't I, even know I, how I many people, how many listeners will know this song, but let's, let's find out. Uh, yeah, so I, this was the first single I ever bought. So there is a reason behind this. Yeah. Um, and there's a wonderful uh, saxophone section in this. This is of its time. Um, and you know what? I love it. It is a, <laughs> from, from Guilty Pleasures. And it is a guilty. They're a Mancunian band called Wax. And it's building a bridge to your heart. Yeah. What? Yeah, so I feel quite bad there because um, <laughs> we've only just got through the intro and got to the got to the music. And we need to cut it off, so we'll um, we'll fade that one out. And it's I mean the thing is I don't think anyone would mind that happening because in reality it's utter dog shit. 
but, but, but you know what? I, I love it. It did, it did make me laugh when um, when I found the song was on an album called Guilty Pleasures. Um, do you know what? It's one of them songs that, as much as I slagged you about, I knew most of the words out when it came on. <laughs> I was like, I'm away myself anyway. So uh, I, I think it's, um yeah. Yeah, it certainly wasn't the first song I bought. Um, I'm not actually sure what the first single I bought is. I need to ask my sister because she'll probably remember. But I mean, I know the first album, but I don't know the first single. Um, oh, yeah, my first album was uh, a Harl's first album. And I don't forget my sister buying it for me. It's the first time she went shopping into Chatham on her own. And she came back with the with the, the cassette, you know, the uh, the yeah. tape of, of the summer which shines on TV. And we go, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. you know, but I could have picked that, but I thought, no, you know, that. This yeah. empowered people with the world of wax. The world of wax, yeah. It actually took me a bit of time to find it on Deezer. It didn't come up so easily. And then I didn't think it was on there because I couldn't find it. And I went back onto Google. And um, I was looking on Google for it. And I actually caught my link to Deezer. And I came back in and found it that way. But when I actually searched for it, it came up with nothing. So, but yeah, I, I remember remember going to Woolies. That was the, the record store in my town, going to Woolies to buy music. And steal some stuff from the pick and mix, but that was a <laughs> changed days now, sadly. Okay, so moving on to your second question. As we said, this is a Yankees podcast and it's going to be Yankees related. So we might have covered this in the past, but let's let's go through it again. When did you become a Yankees fan and why did you become a Yankees fan? So I was always I had no interest in in baseball. I was a basketball fan, and my my wife and I for our joint 40th. Her birthday is April, mine's August. And in 2016, we decided to go to New York in the May. And as a basketball fan, there was no basketball on. And she goes, well, well let's go to the baseball. She'd, she'd lived in Chicago for a year and had been to the baseball. It was quite complimentary about it. I was like, yeah, go on. You know, I, I will watch sport in any kind. You know, I love hurling. I will, there's pretty much, certainly tennis is probably the only sport that I don't watch, actually. Um, and I, I uh, said, yeah, yeah, go on, we'll go along. We'll, we'll go along to it. And we get off the train and we walked up to that, you know, the new the new stadium and walked out and walked into the concourse. And I was just like, this is the best. Something just clicked. It was the most bizarre thing. And it was um, uh, against the Red Sox. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and so first game and, and being surrounded by a load of Red Sox fans and all the, you know, English football, you're used to being surrounded by your yeah, own team and, and nobody yeah, else. Yeah. Um, and 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 when we interviewed Jack Curry, I'd say, you know, I went to buy a beer and they asked for my ID and I just told you people are fucking stupid. What's wrong with you, man? And, and luckily, I just happened to have my driving license on me, you know. And, but I, I walked out to that concourse and it was just, it was the most sensational thing. And um, yeah, Big Puppy had been, had been, um, uh, had had got in trouble the night before, so oh, there, there shot, was energy in the stadium. Uh, no, no, this was he, he got ejected the night before. Oh, yeah, sorry, you still he, playing he, he that got, point? He, got, yeah, he yeah. got shot. Yeah, no, he got shot. It was his, his last year, um, and it was just and, and there was sack bunts, and I I thought it finished two one, but I think it actually finished seven four. You know, I <laughs> didn't know anything, didn't know no anything idea. about the game. Uh, I bought the program, and it had Delin Batansis on it. And I was Brilliant. drinking Goose Eye IPA, and Brilliant. it was the best, and it was the best experience. Yeah. And I said to my wife, um, and West Ham had just got spanked, unsurprisingly, <laughs> by uh, another shitty team that we should like a Bolton or someone like that. Um, and it was just, it was just, it was just brilliant, and I loved every second of it. And it really, and I'm. I think the reason I don't gamble is obsessive compulsive. You know, when I find yeah. some, when something in my brain makes me happy, because there's enough things in life that can make yep. you sad. So when you find something that makes you happy, I'm all in, I'm all in on it. I really, yep. really I, am. I, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, and I was, you know, and I found myself watching it at home and stuff like that. But that, uh, that day, and it's the only time I've been to America, and I was meant to be going again this year but obviously with one thing and another uh, yeah. hasn't happened um but it was just it was just magnificent and it, and and the pictures i took at the stadium with my wallpaper and my ipad mm. and, and uh, i absolutely loved every second of it and uh and and baseball became my favorite game that day yeah it was, it was bizarre. It, 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 there's a magical experience about going to a ball game you know and even i've been lucky enough to go to games um 
in Toronto. I've been to quite a few games that haven't involved the Yankees. And you know what? It's still such an enjoyable experience, even just being there. And I don't know, there's just, it's hard to describe until you've been there. Um, Yeah. But I completely get where you're coming from with that. It it just sort of grabs a hold of you and sucks you in. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's lucky it was the Yankees were playing and not the Mets, I suppose. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's because because my, my mate he um he's an obstinate bastard and he went to New York last year and he deliberately went to a Mets game just to spite yeah. me and he's now uh, he's now a Mets fan uh, but it was yeah it was and the, the, of course this time the Yankees weren't doing well you know when Tex yeah. was on his way out um the the lineup was you know Ellsbury was in the lineup oh, yeah. Chase Headley you know we're we're, we're talking you know you yeah. go there and go wow we're talking all these wonderful players Didi was playing luckily but it was. None of that really mattered. Yeah, none it, of that. None it wasn't. That it wasn't that sort of golden Yankees team that some of us were lucky enough to see yeah. at the time. And yeah, I've got to admit, I'm shamefully after it's on record on podcast that I was delighted. I actually advocated the Yankees going for Chase Headley and thought it would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. enough said. Yeah, enough, no, said no, I mean, enough said about that. No. He, he, you know, he did, he did, you know, what, what, what a treat he was for us all. But you know, I didn't have a clue. I just, yeah. I, 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 genu- I genuinely didn't have a clue. And what was brilliant, and people are very, uh, people love the Boston experience. It was the worst accent I've ever heard in my life. Man. This couple, yeah. <laughs> you've never seen, you've never seen people eat so much food in your life. It was incredible. Yeah. And there's wah, wah, wah. Yeah, and it, but, and, they were obsessed they were, they were like because we we're english and they're having a go it's because we're tourists and stuff like that yeah um and and the national anthems played but we stood for the national anthems and they were like there be your british and all this you know um and it was just this energy just and then yeah. i can't wait to to go back again god knows when that will be but but it was a it was a really special day there's something just about you know the buzz around about the stadium and then that moment when you actually get inside the stadium and see the field, see the field, there's something about that. I wish I could capture that first moment again. Yeah. I'll never be able to do it the first time again. Do you know what I mean? And and it wasn't the same in London because obviously it was a, it was obviously the, the Olympic Stadium had been done up. But I kind of felt it felt when we walked into that stadium that Friday for the the batting practice. I kind of got that similar feel, not quite in the same oh. way, but I was like, holy shit, they've done such a good job of this and it feels like yeah. a ballpark. And um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I think I think if you're a certain type of person, it just grabs you. Um, you know, one of my mates, his parents have a timeshare in New York and he goes over every year and he goes to Yan- Yankees game every time he goes, but he's not a huge Yankees fan, doesn't really follow baseball but he just loves going to a game because he loves the experience of being at a game. His missus doesn't go with him. He goes on, goes on his own. He just says there's something great about getting in and sitting in the stadium, getting a beer and stuff like that. But I like I find it weird that he doesn't kind of get it the way I got it. How do you but, not engage? Yeah, yeah. How do yeah, you not engage? I just keep going but, and I'll do that. Yeah, he likes to see the Yankees win and he's got a soft spot for them, but he just um, it just hasn't got a hold of him the way it has for me. So, Or you. So, yeah. Great story. So let's let's move on to song number two. Okay, so so um, the reason I picked this one is t- 2016. If if you remember, was a uh, a bad year for celebrities dying. Actually, it was, yeah, you know, that's it was right. Yeah. We we lost we lost a lot of crackers uh, that year, and for me, the the year started off. And what was a great year? And you look mm-hmm. at this year. This just been what was a great year with the, our birthdays and stuff. Losing the the giant that's David yeah. Bowie uh, was was a, a real real kick in the teeth actually, um, and I've picked my favourite of his albums is actually Heathen and and everyone's got pretty their favourites contemporary Bowie yeah, pretty much, yeah. I, yeah I just think it's I think it's I think it's a brilliant album um, when I ran my first ever clearing centre at my university in London. I used to listen. Do you remember mini discs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> we all thought it was going to be the revolution that never happened. Oh, what, what an amazing thing a mini disc was. Uh, yeah. And so I used to listen to this on my, on my mini disc player. And so I picked from Heathen a slow burn, which right. uh, I hope you'll enjoy because I love it. Yeah, I mean, Bowie, uh, I, I was a huge Bowie fan. And one thing I thought was amazing about the way he bowed out was he left that album. And if you listen to it now, it's 
just amazing. Yeah. yeah. So here we go, a little bit of um, slow burn from David Bowie. Again, all we're getting is intro there, unfortunately. But yeah. Well, I, 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 I'd encourage anyone, you know, after this, get, if you haven't listened to that album in a long yeah. time, it's a masterpiece. It really uh, is, is a stunning piece of work, actually. Yeah, he's, he's um, an absolute giant of music, and even his, his original stuff from the 70s and stuff still sounds so fresh today. Mm. Um, yeah, I was. I was pretty devastated when I heard the news I've got to admit it was a it was not a good day I can't believe it's four years ago already January wasn't it's, it it's, yeah it's, January yeah five years, five years in January yeah my god um but it, it was it was just one of those strange years wasn't it but uh, but I I just thought he was just the most incredible most incredible person as well as uh, yeah. as an artist I yeah, I still do listen. this and not put a David Bowie on, you know. Yeah, I still listen to Bowie quite a lot. I've actually got a Bowie um, playlist made up on on um, Deezer I use for my streaming service, and uh, I've got a Bowie playlist made up there. I still listen to him a lot. I think he's fantastic. Okay, so moving on to question three. <laughs> right, we kind of covered this a little bit, I think. Have you seen the Yankees live? Tell us about your first game and the favourite game you've attended. Well, yeah, so, so we've obviously covered it. I mean, actually that although that was uh the perfect answer to question two the london series for me was the most what well, was the best weekend of my life i'm not gonna lie to you i'm sure of obviously getting married and having my kids <laughs> it really you know it was yeah. an amazing thing it was at my team's football stadium met you guys uh my kids were the, the weather was amazing there was loads of runs and that that saturday night and I was there on my own with just a couple of Yankees fans on one side, uh, about 68 Red Sox fans around me uh, as well. But the energy was so positive. The energy was just so... And I actually walked out on, on that batting practice day because I, I came down from Leeds um, yep. because I booked my hotel. I came down from Leeds and went back that night and That's then travelled right. down so with my family. Yep. And I felt sorry for the bloke who was next to me on the train on the way back because I was absolutely <laughs> shit faced. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I we believe you. You're a bad influence. That day. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we, we did. Absolutely broke it. Um, and the whole weekend, and then on the and then on the sun on the Sunday, I was there with my with my wife and the kids, and it was just. Uh, the weather was the weather was great and it, it just meant and I was kind of heartbroken it didn't it didn't happen this year because of COVID however it was never going to beat <laughs> that week yeah. that weekend for me and all the purists go that's not really baseball I didn't care one damn bit because it was happening in my country in in the football stadium that I go and watch my team whatever I can it has to be said yeah. Uh, and I loved every damn, and for all the poor pitching that there was, and the foul territory being absolutely massive, and there only being Amstorm, uh, it was still it yeah. was still just a, br- it was a magical. brilliant, brilliant time. It was magical, and, and for those of us that have been lucky enough to go to games in America, I think they made a really good job of it. I think we've covered that before. They made a good job of it. It, it was cheesy, but in a good way. And I thought it was just, I agree, it was a magical weekend. I actually came home on the Saturday night because I was going on holiday to Cyprus. <laughs> so mm. I made last minute plans to come down to the game. I actually had this, decided I couldn't go and then thought made the best decision ever to go. So, but yeah, it was great. It was great. And getting the Friday batting, batting practice tickets added to it, I think, for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Was, no, I mean that was great. But for, I mean, it was it was one of those that when I uh, I came on the on the Saturday, um, and my, we went for dinner at St Catherine's Dock with my family, and then I went off on my own, and I walked into the stadium and just watching batting practice, mm. and just sitting there. And I know loads of people around in the bars and all those kind of things, but for me, you didn't get 
you don't get to see those guys every day. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and that, you know, I spent a fortune while I was just sat there and these guys were bringing the beers from mm. the, 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 the kettles, basically, that they were serving them from. But yeah. I was just sat there baking in the sun thinking... Yeah, that's the thing, you had to drink beer it because it was like 32 degrees or something and the sun was so, just directly on us. Oh, poor guy, so the, poor, hot. the poor guy beside me who was a Red Sox fan and I kind of thought, Ah, he's just been a bit of an arse because I'm a Yankees fan and he's a Red Sox fan, right? And his wife was chatting to me a little bit and she says, he's struggling, right? And, it, and then he came back. Once the sun went away, I think about an hour into the game, the sun, we basically got shade off of the roof. And he came back down and sat and he said, ah, oh, I was struggling. Do you know what? He was the nicest guy I've ever met. And we actually had a right good laugh and we got on really well the rest of the game. But he was just really, really struggling with the heat. He couldn't handle it. He had to keep going away. And I had to keep going to the bar to get beer. And I think I must have drank about three beers in the first hour I was in there. I don't think I went to the toilet once. It was that, <laughs> it was that hot. It was just crazy. But yeah, was, a magical experience, the, as you say. And the, the, the guy I was next to on the first night, he he was of Bosnian heritage. And he, he turned up, he was very mouthy Boston. And at first I thought, you're going to piss me off. But we got to know each other. Um, but what was quite interesting is we obviously drinking and there was a couple of Yankees and get, it was the Yankees fans started getting the rounds in and we were going around yeah. getting all the beers in and then going to the loo at the end of the uh, at the end of the game and hearing him be as sick as a <laughs> dog yes <laughs> love it <laughs> and his missus was outside and I was like why was does like, that not surprise like, me with you <laughs> I was like I'm, re I'm really sorry man. it's not the first time that's happened <laughs> <laughs> brilliant do you know um do you know what I thought was really good about it? It was a Yankees-Red Sox game, but we definitely brought a British sort of sporting flavour to it. The atmosphere, yeah. the atmosphere was more like a football game than it was a soccer game, than it was like a, a baseball game, because the, the fans were just at it the whole game. And it was that, that added to it for me. Uh, I thought it was just like, and do you know what? It was in, there was some shitty comments coming on, but most of the time it was in good nature. And I think yeah. that added to it. I think it was just like the fans never stopped. And I think the players must have reacted to that. And, uh, but we also spanked them, which, yeah, you know. That, that helped. It did, did help. You know, I think if we were on the losing end of a defeat like that, then it might have been a different experience. It, it probably wouldn't have taken that much away from the overall weekend because it was so good. And sheer number of people we met who, like-minded people who just, yeah, it was good. I agree. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I have to pick my song from this because every time the Ministry of Sound obviously did the soundtrack for the weekend. Yeah. Now, there were two options for me, actually, because outside the stadium, there was a lot of Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire, which yeah. I love, I have to say, I love. Yeah. But because I'm young and hip, uh, the, the, there was there was various various songs on the soundtrack as, as, as you went in there, but the one I heard the most, and, and my, my son loved this song before we came down for it. And I was a bit like, yeah, it's all right. And then you hear it pumping around the yeah. stadium while world-class baseball players are warming up and the energy there. And I decided that I love that, you know, that that this I love this song now because it that's the thing that reminds me the most of those moments. And it's Giant uh, by Calvin Harris and Rag and Bowman. I've got some bad news for you, mate. You're more hip hop than hip hop. <laughs> You'd be so good that up. <laughs> really hard not to do the high pitch Woo! Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have the same effect though when it's not as you're saying a booming PA in a stadium yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah yeah I mean it is one of them songs that sticks in your head from that weekend and yeah it was uh it was that and the uh the Miley Cyrus Miley one. Cyrus yeah uh, yeah yeah that, those are those are the those are the two for the weekend but this one was the one that just really just lifted it for me. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't do it justice on the computer because you're not getting the kind of bass behind it and the whole thing, but yeah. Okay, so move on to question four. 
who is your all-time favourite Yankees player? And, and and this is where, you know, Yankees has got a great history and I could be completely disingenuous and say, oh, Babe Ruth, uh, Mickey Mansell. I haven't been watching the games there. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I still classify myself uh, relatively new to the game. But with all sports, you find someone that you connect with. You haven't met them personally, but there's just something about them, the way they go about their business that means you were going to cheer them on wherever way you go. And so my favourite... He was there the first game I went to. He he played in the London series, and he's somebody that uh, I think is an absolute is an absolute superstar. And if you're looking for a smile, uh, if you're looking for energy, if you're looking for a left-handed bat, if you're looking for all the things that the, the, the things that make us stand up. The fact is European descent, but obviously you know the the, the Dutch international. And, and so I'm going to have to go. My my all-time favourite player, this is where you, I'm going to get loads of stuff on Twitter. Going, oh, I can't believe you picked a win. Uh, Didi Gregorius, to me, is the mutt's nuts. And I was gutted when he left. The least surprising answer you've given tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling you might go that way. And just, yeah, Didi Gregorius had one of the toughest jobs in Yankees history to follow Derek Jeter. And... The first sort of season, how's the best way to describe it, was a challenge for him. But my God, did he rise to the challenge. Mm. I think you'll agree with that. I think um, I think we were all gutted to see Didi go, even more so given the struggles of Gleyber Torres. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone talks about how, you know, he's on the downward, downward curve in terms of his, his what, what, how he's performing. And obviously what's happened with Philly, the Phillies now with him not getting the qualifying offer. I just, for me, we've all got this in sport, haven't we? So as a, as a West Ham fan in football, uh, we have a player called Alan Devonshire. I don't know if you remember him. He's uh, a nippy winger, barely got any England caps. Absolutely brilliant player. And you just, when he was there, you felt something was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I, Ile Berkovich we had. You, you, you had yeah, I remember him. Yeah, we did and, for a while. You know, yeah. you know uh, until he got his head kicked in by John Yeah, Hartson, then, then we you know, said he and he left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but there's always there's always um something about and that now I watch non-league football, you you end up having a beer with a particular player and you, know, you just feel <laughs> yeah. for me for me, for me Didi Gregorius is everything. I want to see people who love what they do mm. and do it well and and get better at it, not be complacent with it. But the fact is he, he just brought so much joy. So it was a total no-brainer for me, this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think um I think Didi was a big part of the Yankees changing from being a stuffy kind of up their arse team. It's one part of the Yankees I've always struggled with is they're a little bit kind of elitist and a little bit, and they always had that kind of stuffy attitude towards them and we're the Yankees and stiff upper lip. And I think he was the sort of catalyst for the change and more fun, more enjoyable. The players were seen enjoying themselves. They were having a laugh. And then obviously the younger guys came through like Judge and stuff and, and, and complimented it. But I think Didi was, for me, was the guy that changed all that. And yeah, he's he was a fantastic pickup and a bit of a sleeper, actually. It was one that, that Cashman deserves a lot of credit for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was it the Reds he came from? I mean, it was yep. it's one of those that, so I understand the majesty of Jeter. I understand all these kind of things. But then you get the, the typical Yankee answer, you know, the safe. The, yeah. the ironing board of Yankee answers that you get. And I and I get why they have to do it, because they have to protect the brand and things like that. But yeah. they work so hard to get where they're getting and they're so yeah, they're so lucky to be there. Why wouldn't you want to just come across as loving every damn minute? Now obviously the answer is probably the New York media and it's going to tear them down if they go too far yeah, like Clint but... had. But you know that that's what the embodiment of, of that for me is everything I'm looking for from a sports person. Yeah, I, 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 I think that it's one of the things the Yankees should over the past few years look at and realize that the fans enjoy it. The fans like that side of the game. The fans like to see their heroes being normal, having fun, uh, and, and they, they did do a lot of that. And yeah, yeah, but it's a great choice. If I was to say favorite historic player, put you on the spot here. Who would, who would you say is your favourite player from the, the sort of historic times, I suppose? Lou Gehrig. Good uh, choice. Um, and, and he's involved later on. For me, actually, I think one of the one of the biggest fears you have, you look at Rob Burrow and you look at Dottie Weir and, and, yeah. and, and the, the pain that, that motor neuron uh, disease causes and things like that. But you've got a guy who, consistent, 
strong uh, there's some there's some you know the books on him are great and he to me is somebody that's I wish I could. I wish I could have seen him. Yeah, I wish I could see play. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I sadly lost my father-in-law to um, to motor neuron disease, and it is an awful illness. It just kind of robs them. That robs them of everything that they need to basically live a normal life. But their mind's still there, and it's a it's a pretty horrendous thing to go through. And as you mentioned, you know Rob Burrow and Doddy Weir have put it right in the spotlight again. Um, it's it's hard to I, I struggle, you know. My missus especially struggles to watch the programs about it because it is quite personal to us. But it's it's great to see these guys. You know, I think Toddy Weir's charity has raised about five million. And after that, after the ice bucket challenge a few years ago, which raised a lot of money, that that I've always I'm always living with the fear that it can be hereditary disease. So both Julie and my son could could end up with it. So I'm kind of it means a lot to me that these charities are doing so well. So mm. on a personal level, so yeah, it's but yeah. Lou Gehrig, great choice. So, I think this song ties in. Obvious, though, isn't it? The song quite ties <laughs> in quite nicely. But I do have to tell you one thing: you have chosen. Do I tell your song? Notorious Duran Duran. Yeah, I think the notorious that DD uses is actually the Biggie Smalls version. Notorious, notorious BIG, but you would. I like that. I like that. I wasn't sure if you if you'd done it on purpose, or you were. I, I was. I thought you would just be old school because you are old. No, no, no. <laughs> that, 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 that too. I like that. So here we go with notorious. Simon Lebon at his finest there rather than Notorious B.I.G. Exactly yep. right. Quite right. So go go with the classic. And the thing about Duran Duran, let's be honest here, they were either good or they were crap. Uh, and, and, and my wife, my wife loves them. Uh, and she, you know, but actually we, we saw them um, at Earl's Court when we lived in London. And it was one of the worst gigs I've ever seen in my life. And oh, really? went, can we just go now? We got about three quarters <laughs> of the way through. And, and, he was doing like dancing like he was riding a horse and it was it was <laughs> it, it it just it just got quite surreal after a little yeah. while but that was after they the ordinary fan- world album yeah they have some fantastic uh, music over the years as well yeah. i actually think um yeah i don't know where i was going to go with that but yeah the, the, they have made some good songs so question five is going to take a bit of explaining so what we've done okay. here right in this fantasy world where we're going to be stranded on an island, a desert island somewhere, a third island because it's stranded at third, um, but we're going to be stranded on a desert island, so it's a bit of a fantasy world here. So what we have done is created a time machine, and that time machine can take you back to any game or any moment in Yankees history so you can be there in person. Which one? Now, we happen to be fans of a team with a very as they call it in America, storied history. So there's a lot to choose from here, but you can you can choose to be at one moment in the history of the New York Yankees. Which would it be? So, uh, and absolutely right. I was thinking, oh, do I want to go for 96? What was I looking at? And to me, there is actually only one answer, the place. Bear in mind, what I've just been talking about, Lou Gehrig and, yep, and Murderer's Row. And all those, and that would be, I would love to be at game three of the 1932 World Series uh, at Wrigley Field. Bear in mind, I was meant to be going to Chicago this year and I was going to go to Wrigley uh, and to witness in game three, the called shot. And to see if it actually happened. In his final world, too. Well, well, yeah, the, the Americana and that time prohibition and that sort of, that sort of time scale yeah, is always of interest fantastic. to me. But if I could go anywhere, you know, Wrigley being what it is, and and the aggro, the chirping between the benches, yeah, um, and and I just think that would be if you if you look at defining moments in sport, you know, Babe Ruth is and will always be the best ever baseball player. I think that that's that, that's no matter yeah. what you, you can't achieve what the guy did, and yet we're always talking about that based on somebody else's opinions because we of we course. haven't seen him, and that's what makes the Ken Burns. 
documentary so yeah. fantastic because it helps you visualize yeah so so for me and i would just love to be there in that game now obviously they won the world series in game four yeah but to be there for game three i think would be uh, a really really and it makes you smile just thinking what yeah, that must be like to have been there it's one of the moments in history which will be debated for the rest of history. Did it actually happen? Did he call that shot and then do it? I choose to believe he did. Maybe it's confirmation bias. I don't know, but I choose to believe he did. Um, but it, it's one of the magical moments you just know in sport where you just go, wow. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? and it's, it is, it is. And people will be talking about it long after, you know, long after uh, we've gone. It's just, yeah. it, it's, it's a seminal moment in sport. Without a doubt, yeah. And it just, I just, I just, you know, and of course then Gehrig steps up afterwards, you know, she, celebrates him and then hits a home run straight away afterwards as well. And that was yeah. so, that was the Yankees of that period. Do you know the thing that I've always found amazing about Lou Gehrig's hist- uh, record? Is a number of RBIs he hit when you think about the fact that he batted behind Ruth in the lineup. So the amount of times Ruth must have cleared the benches, eh, cleared the bases in front of him, yet he still racked up that number of RBIs. It's, it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, even just to be there to see that team would be something special, would be something. And as you say, I mean, Wrigley's on my bucket list. I need to get to Wrigley and I need to get to Fenway. It's going to happen. I was gutted not to make it. I was gutted not yeah, to get tickets it, you know, to the Dodgers game. And it just, this year of all year, you know, know. it would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's a great choice, Rob. Great choice. So that brings us on to song number five. Okay. So this song, there's a couple of options. I was thinking, do I go really now? I mean, I, I love Foo Fighters. I was going to go, this is a call. And I thought yeah. that's a little bit too on the nose. That. That's a little bit too on the nose. One of the best bands I've ever seen live is Weezer yep. and they played the O2 Academy in Leeds and if you ever get a chance to see Weezer they are freaking freaking awesome and they opened with this song of the gig that I saw and I think it sums up where Babe Ruth was <laughs> at that particular moment uh, and it's called King of the World Yeah, I've got to admit, I was quite surprised by that choice, but I do like a bit of Weezer myself. And they must be the biggest earning cover band in the world at the moment, because they are <laughs> covering some amount of songs just now. But they're doing yeah. such a good job of it. The Till you... album, the Till the album is yeah. superb, actually. Yeah. Africa, See, when, what they do with that is brilliant. When they covered them, Toto's Africa, the first probably four or five times I heard it, I didn't realise it was them. I, I just thought it was Toto. It's brilliant. Yeah, they're superb, and they've actually covered some of my favourite bands over the over the years as well, or over recent times. It's uh, it's really really good. Yeah, in, in, Austra- in Australia, the Foo Fighters tour, Foo Fighters toured with them as the support act. Brilliant. And I was like, oh, amazing. And then Foo Fighters toured here, and I was like, oh, brilliant. I took my lad to his first ever gig. I was like, here we go, here we go. We're going to go and see Foo Fighters. I really hope Weezer are supporting. And it was Wolf Alice. Oh, look at one good like, song. Yeah, yeah. Just bollocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I do love Dave Grove. Dave Grove is just one of the greatest guys in music. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really hard to do this list and not put a Foo Fighters do you know, song in there, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to my turn to do this, I don't know how I'm only going to squeeze it down to six songs because I, I have such an eclectic taste in music, as you seem to have as well. And I, I don't know how I'm going to squeeze it down to six songs. It's, it's going to be the hardest, but it's a good choice. And I, I think... Um, you know, leaving some of your favourite bands out must be the hardest bit of doing this. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I love Weezer, and, and if anyone get if they if they the tour of the UK again, you get a chance to see them. They are so tight, you know. I mean, they're just so they don't drop a note. It's mm. just absolutely on the money, and the energy was just brilliant. And, and I don't think the response they got there they'll come back again soon. Yeah, 
they're, they're quite a fun band as well. I kind of, they just, I get that feeling they don't take themselves too seriously. No. Yeah. Um, so this brings us on to our final question. Now, had this been Desert Island Discs, you're allowed to take two luxury items onto the island. But as this is a baseball podcast, we have decided you can take one luxury item on, onto the island and one baseball book. So basically, if you only could take one book with you, what would it be and what would your luxury item be? Okay, so we'll go with the book to start with, um, because I am a I love my baseball books. So this is this is this is yeah. as hard to do as choosing. <laughs> I think it would choosing yeah. subs. To, uh, um, I Jack Curry and David Cohn's book. I adore. I just think it's an amazing book. I love um, I love Marty Appel's book on Casey Stengel. Oh, yeah. there, there's just so many great books that, that are actually out there. Um, and and for me, it's really really hard to choose one. But actually, I will go back in the same way with Wax. I picked my first single. <laughs> yep. I will pick the first baseball book that I bought, and I got off the plane, got home from New York, and I ordered Marty Appel's Pinstripe Empire, oh, which right. I think is the perfect book to have on a desert island because it's it's fucking it's huge. Quite, it's quite big, yeah. <laughs> it's a big book. It's a big ass book. Yeah. Um, but it's and that that's it. and I emailed and the reason we got Marty on the podcast is because I emailed him after reading it just say that thanks not mate this is just a brilliant book because I, you know, I happen to think you should thank people for good work yeah. um, without wanting to seem like a stalker and he came back to me and went brilliant I'm you know really really grateful we kept in touch um, and and I I love that book but that's to say that's there are so many great baseball books out there but if I there are two baseball books that I fall back on one is The Game by John Pesser which is the perfect holiday reading book which is all about the PED era and yeah. and, uh, and, and the strike and, and that's a fantastic book but I think for me Pinstripe Empire is, is, the, is the one that I would take I mean it is like the comprehensive history of the Yankees Yeah, and it's in depth I've started, I'm not an avid reader I struggle to read books because my attention span is terrible. And I've started on, I'm kind of working my way through it at the moment. And I do agree, it is fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's a good choice. So that, I mean, I, I, th I think I'd like someone, you know, if Jack could read it, I mean, if Jack could read it, if <laughs> then, yeah. then, then actually, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, I, you know, I, I think because we have so many great discussions about the game, you talk about when, when we did the, you know, when we did the draft pick and stuff, like that, your Jack Chess Bros and stuff like that, that you, yeah. you get from there and your sponge handlers and things yeah, like that. You know? yeah, and, it, yeah. and it really is brilliantly, brilliantly detailed because you could get so drunk on the George Steinbrenner was an arsehole stories. But yeah. actually the stories that are very often more interesting are the ones that precede him. Oh yeah, I, I think that's the thing about the Yankees that always appealed to me. I'm into my history and the the, the older history be, before the Steinbrenner era was what really attracted me to the Yankees. But yeah, so... That brings us on to our sixth and final song. Oh, we've got my luxury item to do yet. Oh, sorry. Ah, oh, glad you're here. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, thank God. This is why I host the show, Norman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've actually got for my luxury item, uh, I take back to the London series again, and this they, very affectionate for me, this. Um, my lad was there and the players were warming up and there was uh, some Mexican lads next to us shouting at Luis Sessa for a ball. And uh, he threw one over it and it fell short. And they'd already had a couple of him. And, and the ball fell short because it's Luis Sessa, you know. <laughs> the ball didn't go where he meant for it to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, the, and then the, the steward that was between uh, picked the ball up and handed it to, to my lad and they, they were gutted but but my boy's got this on it on his on his shelf but what i love about this ball is that you know in the same way people buy toys and they keep them in boxes to sell we then yeah. took this ball and we played catch out in the olympic park when it was over Magic. on the sunday and the sun was beating down and the, the vibes were there and we just the four of us just played catch with this ball and it scuffed and it got gravel on it and people are like, you can't, man, it's a, it's a major league baseball and all that kind of stuff. And I look at it 
for all the or even purer for that. That to for me the is memories. my, my favourite. For the memories of that, yeah. not just because it's a, a ball's a ball. I, you're not going to get me getting them in a plastic case. I'm just not one of them. You know, if if I got the ball, I was lucky enough to catch one at the stadium. I would actually have to hand it. If I was on my own, I'd actually have to hand it to the nearest kid because it's all about building the next, the next. Well, you wouldn't be elbowing kids out the way to catch it. I would <laughs> Listen, you know, you know. I mean, it depends because you know, if they if they ask for it, you know, just a quick karate yeah. chop to the net. Depends how. <laughs> Depends on how big their dads are. Yeah, no, you know, they'd have to be pretty big. Um, but yeah, no, I just and and that's why I love this. And it, and it sits there. So we've got we've got three balls on this shelf. We've got one, you know, the one that I, I you buy in the shop, the London series yeah. one, which is fine. I've got the one that I want at the Batfoots and Nerds raffle, which is the the Ben Zobris one. Oh yeah, that's right. That's so we've right, got yeah. we've got a signature. We've got the authenticity. Of but then there's this one there, and it's just it's just perfect because it's been played with. And it's memories, and it's just everything just sits there, and I absolutely adore it. Yeah, I mean, memories are worth so much more than signature or, you know, the fact that it's authenticated. I agree with that. That's great. So that's what you would take with you, along with your Marty Apple book. So the final song. And and, and so I I picked this song for two reasons. one because I thought the idea of being bearing in mind we've all been at home together for ages uh, the idea of having some peace and quiet on a desert island with a baseball book and a baseball <laughs> is actually very <laughs> is actually very <laughs> very appealing <laughs> um, but but um, my sister was a massive Depeche Mode fan when I was a kid and yeah. one of the things that we agreed on you know she really got me into Depeche Mode and there are many there, we all have a favourite song. It's very difficult to devote to one. In some way, I don't have a favourite film. There are so yeah. many songs that I love. But I actually think when it comes to this one song, I have to put my money on and say, this is my favourite song of all time. Um, and it's uh, Enjoy and, the Silence. By and the it, just, it just so happens to fit with being on a desert island on your own. It like certainly that. does. <laughs> I've picked a lot of songs with um, long intros. <laughs> <laughs> Love a long intro, me, mate. Love an intro. Yeah, it's unfortunate they're not getting really going too well until we have to cut them off. Yeah, I do love a bit of Depeche Mode, I've got to admit. The whole, there's a lot of new romantic bands that I like, the whole uh, Spand of Ballet and stuff like that. And was it, um, what was his name from Started Eurasia? Did he not leave? Depeche Mode after the oh, first Oh yeah, yeah, Vince Clark. Yeah, Vince, Vince Clark. Clark. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Well, that he was. So he he left Depeche Mode to form Yazoo with Alison Moyet. He so he did. Alison Moyet. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I love a bit of Erasure as well. I know it wasn't the trendiest band to like when you were younger. Um, for stuff we spoke about earlier, but um, some amazing music they've made. But yeah, I mean right. that's... they they've been, been repeating a lot of Top of the Pops, and they were playing Blue Savannah. Yeah, uh, and and that's I've, I've had, and I'll be honest with you, I don't like that song, but they they're such an earworm band. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get it out of your head. Yeah. yeah, it sticks. Yeah, I do like about Depeche Mode, though. Just can't get enough since I'm a Celtic fan. Seems to be the the yeah, song yeah, at the yeah, moment. Yeah. It's one that yeah, we yeah, took yeah, in yeah. Uh, a few other a few other teams have actually taken it since. But mate, that was um that was enjoyable. Some yeah, cheers, man. Interesting choices of songs. I've got to admit, you threw me with quite a few of them. I could see the, the, the theory behind them, but I was a bit surprised by the choices. Not with the uh, obviously notorious and stuff, but I didn't see the Weezer one coming or the Wax song coming. I've got to admit, which obviously is personal to you. But yeah, great choice. And hopefully, everyone enjoys this. It's our first, first shot at this. It's a little bit different for us doing sort of one to one interviews and you know, opening up about our lives and stuff like that. So 
hopefully it's enjoyable. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as much I as can, I've enjoyed it. I can talk about I can talk about me anytime, Kev. You yeah, it's, it's like something that. you're good at. To be fair, <laughs> that's that's why I was first up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been enjoyable, and I, I hope um I hope everyone enjoys it, and it's went quite well. If it all edits together as we hope it will, ah oh, well goes together without too much editing is what i'm hoping really to be honest but if it, if it works out hopefully this will keep us going through the winter months um we'll do some regular podcasts if and when there's enough to talk about at the moment it's all a bit quiet in the baseball world there's not doesn't seem to be many moves happening Marcus hopefully we'll get a couple of other interviews on the, on the go as well and i know yeah. jack would appear on it again and hopefully we'll we'll get yeah, jack harry and a, and a few of the others will appear with us again so hopefully we're yeah. going to keep the content going but you've got to wonder if yeah. they would enjoy something like this well, Jack's musical toys. You're gonna you're gonna get a lot of clashing stranglers with Jack Curry, aren't you? Yeah. That's, uh, which is no, no that. bad yeah. thing. No, that's so a good thing. That sounds good to me. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it's maybe something that they would find a bit of fun and something a bit different from from the normal stuff they do. I was just about to say there. I think Strowman's resigned with the uh, voice mm. accepted the qualifying offer today, so he's off the table. Is about the only bit of news. I think that's happened this winter. There's not much and the going uh, and the on. minor leagues, the restructure of our minor league system, yeah. which I think we'll probably have to have a chat about at some point. Yeah, that's, that's maybe weeks. actually something we could fill a pod with. So on that note, um, thanks very much for your time tonight, Rob, and thanks for being the guinea pig. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, and uh, th- thanks for doing. You know, thanks for the idea, Kevin. It's been an awful lot of fun, mate. Mm-hmm.